Chapter Two of Hereditary Genius by Francis Galton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. Chapter Two Classification of Men According to Their Reputation. The arguments by which I endeavour to prove that genius is hereditary consist in showing how large is the number of instances in which men who are more or less illustrious have eminent kinsfolk. It is necessary to have clear ideas on the two following matters before my arguments can be rightly appreciated. The first is the degree of selection implied by the words eminent and illustrious. Does eminent mean the foremost in a hundred, in a thousand, or in what other number of men? The second is the degree to which reputation may be accepted as a test of ability. It is essential that I, who write, should have a minimum qualification distinctly before my eyes whenever I employ the phrase eminent and the like and that the reader should understand as clearly as myself the value i attach to those qualifications an explanation of these words will be the subject of the present chapter a subsequent chapter will be given to the discussion of how far eminence may be accepted as criterion of natural gifts it is almost needless for me to insist that the subjects of these two chapters are entirely distinct i look upon social and professional life as a continuous examination all are candidates for the good opinions of others and for success in their several professions and they achieve success in proportion as the general estimate is large of their aggregate merits in ordinary scholastic examinations marks are allotted in stated proportions to various specific subjects as many for latin so many for greek so many for english history and the rest the world in the same way but almost unconsciously allots marks to men it gives them for originality of conception, for enterprise, for activity and energy, for administrative skill, for various requirements, for power of literary expression, for oratory, and much besides of general value, as well as for more specifically professional merits. It is not a lot of these marks according to a proportion that can easily be stated in words, but there is a rough common sense that governs its practice with a fair approximation to constancy. Those who have gained most of these tacit marks are ranked by the common judgment of the leaders of opinion as the foremost men of their day the metaphor of an examination may be stretched much further as there are alternative groups in any one of which a candidate may obtain honours so it is with reputations they may be made in law literature science art and in a host of other pursuits again as the mere attainment of a general fair level will obtain no honours in an examination no more will it do so in the struggle for eminence a man must show conspicuous power in at least one subject in order to achieve a high reputation let us see how the world classifies people after examining each of them in her patient persistent manner during the years of their manhood how many men of eminence are there and what proportion do they bear to the whole community i will begin by analyzing a very painstaking biographical handbook lately published by rotledge and co called men of the time its intention which is fairly honestly carried out is to include none but those whom the world honours for their ability. The catalogue of names is 2,500, and a full half of it consists of American and continental celebrities. It is well I should give, in a footnote, an analysis of its contents in order to show the exhaustive character of its range. The numbers I prefix to each class are not strictly accurate, for I measured them off rather than counted them, but they are quite close enough. The same name often appears under more than one head. On looking over the book, I am surprised to find how large a proportion of the men of the time are past middle age, 
it appears that in the cases of high but by no means in that of the highest merit a man must outlive the age of fifty to be sure of being widely appreciated it takes time for an able man born in the humbler ranks of life to emerge from them and to take his natural position it would not therefore be just to compare the number of englishmen in the book with that of the whole adult male population of the british isles but it is necessary to confine our examination to those of the celebrities who are past fifty years of age and to compare their number with that of the whole male population who are also above fifty years i estimate from examining a large part of the book that there are about eight hundred and fifty of these men and that five hundred of them are decidedly well known to persons familiar with literary and scientific society now there are about two millions of adult males in the british isles above fifty years of age consequently the total number of the men of the time are about four hundred and twenty five to a million and the more select part of them as two hundred and fifty to a million the qualifications for belonging to what i call the more select part are in my mind that a man should have distinguished himself pretty frequently either by purely original work or as a leader of opinion i wholly exclude notoriety obtained by a single act this is a fairly well-defined line because there is not room for many men to be eminent each interest or idea has its mouthpiece and a man who has attained and can maintain his position as the representative of a party or an idea naturally becomes much more conspicuous than his coadjutors who are nearly equal but inferior in ability this is eminently the case in positions where eminence may be won by official acts the balance may be turned by a grain that decides whether a b or c shall be promoted to a vacant post the man who obtains it has opportunities of distinction denied to the others i do not however take much note of official rank people who have left very great names behind them have mostly done so through non-professional laborers i certainly should not include mere officials except at the highest ranks and in open professions among my select list of eminent men another estimate of the proportion of eminent men to the whole population was made on a different basis and gave much the same result i took the obituary of the year eighteen sixty eight published in the times on january first eighteen sixty nine and found in it about fifty names of men of the more select class this was in one sense a broader and in another a more rigorous selection than that which i have just described it was broader because i included the names of many whose abilities were high but who died too young to have earned the wide reputation they deserved and it was more rigorous because i excluded old men who have earned distinction in years gone by but had not shown themselves capable in later times to come again to the front on the first ground it was necessary to lower the limit of the age of the population with whom they should be compared forty-five years of age seemed to be a fair limit including as it was supposed to do a year or two of broken health preceding decease now two hundred and ten thousand males die annually in the british isles above the age of forty-five therefore the ratio of the more select proportion of the men of the time on these data is as fifty to two hundred and ten thousand or as two hundred thirty-eight to a million thirdly i consulted obituaries of many years back when the population of these islands was much smaller and they appeared to me to lead to similar conclusions viz that two hundred fifty to a million is an ample estimate there would be no difficulty in making a further selection out of these to any degree of rigour we could select the two hundred the one hundred or the fifty best out of the two hundred and fifty without much uncertainty but i do not see my way to work downwards if i were asked to choose the thousand per million best men i should feel we have descended to a level where there existed no sure data for guidance where accident and opportunity had undue influence and where it was impossible to distinguish general eminence from local reputation or from mere notoriety 
the considerations of sense in which i propose to employ the word eminent when i speak of an eminent man i mean one who has achieved a position that is attained by only two hundred and fifty persons in each million of men or by one person in each four thousand four thousand is a very large number difficult for persons to realize who are not accustomed to deal with great assemblages on the most brilliant of starlit nights there are never so many as four thousand stars visible to the naked eye at the same time yet we feel it to be an extraordinary distinction to a star to be accounted as the brightest in the sky this be it remembered is my narrowest area of selection i propose to introduce to name whatever into my list of kinsmen unless it be marked off from the rest by brackets that is less distinguished the mass of those with whom i deal are far more rigidly selected many are as one in a million and not a few as one of many millions i use the term illustrious when speaking of these they are men whom the whole intelligent part of the nation mourns when they die who have or deserve to have a public funeral and who rank in future ages as historical characters permit me to add a word upon the meaning of a million being a number so enormous as to be difficult to conceive it is well to have a standard by which to realize it mine will be understood by many londoners it is as follows one summer day i passed the afternoon in bushy park to see the magnificent spectacle of its avenue of horse chestnut trees a mile long in full flower as the hour was past it it occurred to me to try to count the number of spikes of flowers facing the drive on one side of the long avenue i mean all the spikes that were visible in full sunshine on one side of the road accordingly i fixed upon a tree of average bulk and flower and drew imaginary lines first halving the tree then quartering and so on until i arrived at a subdivision that was not too large to allow of my counting the spikes of flowers it included i did this with three different trees and arrived at pretty much the same result as well as i could recollect the three estimates were as nine ten and eleven then i counted the trees in the avenue and multiplying altogether i found the spikes to be just about one hundred thousand in number ever since then whenever a million is mentioned i recall the long perspective of the avenue of bushy park with its stately chestnuts clothed from top to bottom with spikes of flowers bright in the sunshine and i imagined a similarly continuous floral band of ten miles in length in illustration of the value of the extreme rigour implied by a selection of one in a million i will take the following instance the oxford and cambridge boat race exists almost a national enthusiasm and the men who represent their universities as competing crews have good reason to be proud of being the selected champions of such large bodies the crew of each boat consists of eight men selected out of about eight hundred students namely the available undergraduates of about two successive years in other words the selection that is popularly felt to be so strict is only as one in a hundred now i suppose there had been so vast a number of universities that it would have been possible to bring together eight hundred men each of whom had pulled in a university crew and from this body the eight best were selected to form a special crew of comparatively rare merit the selection of each of these would be as one in ten thousand ordinary men let this process be repeated and then and not till then do you arrive at a superlative crew representing selections of one in a million this is a perfectly fair deduction because the use of the universities are a haphazard collection of men so far as regards their thews and sinews no one is sent to a university on account of his powerful muscle or to put the same facts into another form it would require a period of about no less than two hundred years before either university could furnish eight men each of whom would have sufficient boating eminence to rank as one of the medium crew twenty thousand years must elapse before eight men could be furnished 
each of whom would have the rank of the superlative crew. It is, however, quite another matter with respect to brain power, for, as I shall have occasion to show, the universities attract to themselves a large proportion of the eminent scholastic talent of all England. There are nearly a quarter of million males in Great Britain who arrive each year at the proper age for going to the university. Therefore, if Cambridge, for example, conceived only one in every five of the ablest scholastic intellects, she would be able, in every period of ten years, to boast of the fresh arrival of an undergraduate, the rank of whose scholastic eminence was that of one in a million. End of section two.